What's up, Hyperfast Nation? On this episode of the Hyperfast Wealth Show, I sat down with a new investor, but you wouldn't know that by looking at his portfolio. In just four and a half years, he's gone from zero doors to 70 doors. He is now creating content to educate others and has co-hosted several episodes on the Bigger Pockets podcast. Welcome to the show, Henry Washington. Welcome to the show today, Henry. How are you doing? I'm well. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, I'm excited to talk about real estate and investing today and just the amazing progress you've made in just a few, you know, short years in terms of, you know, the amount of doors you've been able to get to and, you know, being on some of the biggest real estate platforms in the world, helping to educate other people. So, uh, let's jump right in, give people your, your background and how did you make such a rapid, uh, you know, transition into real estate and grow it so fast? Yeah, man. So the, the, the story goes, I started four and a half years ago and, um, I was, I kind of found real estate, um, as a result of a panic attack for lack mm. of a better way to put it. I, um, so in my single days, I, I worked for Walmart, and I was in their software development and data analytics space. And so I had a, a tech job making phenomenal salary, you know, single male, and, you know, making six figures. And, you know, I had done all the things that they tell you to do. I went to school. I got good grades. I went to college. I got good grades. I got my degree. I got a technical degree so I can make good money. And then I met someone and and was planning on getting married and like you know I was got a good job climbing the corporate ladder right I was ticking all the boxes the American dream boxes right and what I started to realize after I got uh, married was that like it wasn't enough right mm. like um, part of it and part of that was my fault right um, my fault because I didn't have the financial education to help me stretch or invest the money that I was making. I knew nothing about investing. Um, all I knew was make money, spend money. And I got really good at the spending money part. And you know, when you have a job, the make money part is the same. It doesn't change. And so <laughs> I was spending more than I was making. And, um, and so that would put me in tough spots, you know, living paycheck to paycheck. And I was okay with those tough spots when I was single. But after I got married, my wife quickly let me know that she was not okay in those tough spots. And so, like, that was my first sign that I needed to make a change. Um, and then my wife and I tried to buy a house together. And as we bought, went through the process of buying that house, uh, the lender called me and said, hey, we want a loan to your wife for this house. And if you're on the loan, we won't be able to do that. You're going to make this mm. harder for her because your your credit's not great. And I just wasn't bringing the things to the table that I needed to bring in order to be bankable enough for them to consider lending. And, you know, when you're, you know, when you think you're doing all the right things and then you're trying to, you know, check that next American dream box and buy that first home and be this provider for your new wife. And they, they the bank tells you, you can't do that, man. That was a big blow to my ego. It was a big blow to just me as a person. Cause I wanted to provide and it was tough, man. And so, um, that kind of, you know, punched me in the face and the stomach a little bit. It helped me, I mean, to wake up and realize that I, tr I truly needed to make some adjustments. And then, um, 
I'd say not long after we got married and we moved in that house. Well, my wife bought the house and let me live in it with her. Uh, I was talking (laughs) to her one night and um, she was, you know, we were talking about all of our, um, our goals, right? Like how many kids we want to have and what's our dream home going to look like and where's it going to be and, and all these things that like in my head, I'm doing the math. I'm like, man, we barely got here. I don't know like how to get past here. And so I freaked out, man. Like I'm supposed to be enjoying this conversation about our future and I'm freaking out. Cause I'm like, she's going to leave me. She's going to figure out. I just, I only look good on paper. And then she, when she's starting to do the math now, the math's not math and, and I'm going to be in some trouble. Right. And so I had a panic attack at about three in the morning, woke up, freaking out. And I did the only thing I could think to do at three in the morning when I'm freaking out about money as I started to Google, how can I make extra money? How can I make passive income? Right. All the buzzwords I can think about related to money. I was Googling. And, um, that's when I found real estate. Um, that's when I, I learned that real estate was it was something that normal people did up until then. I just thought rich people, corporations like own mm. real estate. I didn't really give it much thought. Um, and so You know, you start Googling and you see all these articles about rental properties and flipping houses and making quick cash and then making mailbox money. And I was like, all right, this seems like a thing people do. I just didn't know. Then I watched this TED Talk and this kid, he had like 25 doors. He was financially free. And the whole point of the talk was that he was saying, hey, I used real estate to buy my freedom by having my rents cover my life's expenses. And then like, I can just go do what I want. And that was the light bulb moment for me. Cause up until then I thought to be financially free meant you just had to be this multi bajillionaire. Right. And then not have to worry about your money. But all it really means is you need enough passive income to cover your life's expenses. And then you get to choose to do with your time what you want. And so I was like, wait a minute, this is way more achievable than like I had ever thought it was. And I just decided at three in the morning, like if this kid figured it out, I can mm. figure this out. And so I just I uh, decided I'm going to go be a real estate investor, even though I had bad credit and I only had a thousand dollars in my savings account to my name. I was like, I can figure out if this kid figured it out. And um, so that was like the life experiences that led to me deciding on real estate. And so from that point, woke up the next morning, told my wife, hey, guess what? We're going to be real estate investors. And she was like, yeah, okay, cool. Awesome. Let's do it. Right. And I was like, all right. <laughs> so um, from there, I did all the things, you know, new investors do. I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, right? And that made you, that made me realize that, you know, I had been doing life wrong my whole life. And so I started to save money and do the things I wasn't normally doing. And then um, I just started telling people I was an investor because I just believed, like, I, I just believe in, like, in life, you get what you give, right? You get what you put out. And so I just wanted to put out there that I was an investor. If I didn't believe it, nobody else is going to believe it. And then I just started going to investor meetups. Any place there was an investor in a room in my local market, I got in the room just because I didn't know how to do it. And so I said, I'll just be around people who do and maybe something will rub off on me. And so um, fast forward 90 days after I had that panic attack, I had my first deal under contract just through doing those those subtle things and surrounding myself with the right people and, and surrounding myself with the knowledge. And um, people sometimes think that just by doing these things, you're not really doing anything. Like, but you are. You're putting yourself in a position to take advantage of the opportunity when it comes. And opportunities come all the time. But a lot of the times we're just not ready. And so we don't either recognize the opportunity or we write it off immediately because we know we're not ready. 
And so when the opportunity came for me to buy that first property, I was ready and I jumped on it. And so 90 days after I had a panic attack, I bought my first rental. We got pretty creative with how we financed it with the down payment and all of those things I learned because I surrounded myself with other investors. I didn't know those things when I got started, but being in the right rooms helped me be able to answer the questions I didn't know answers to on the front side. And so we got creative, we bought the house, it started cash flowing. The bank gave me a line of credit on the equity in the house that I bought. And before I knew it, after 90 days, I owned a house that was paying me cash flow and the bank gave me a line of credit on the equity to the tune of about twenty-five dollars to $30,000 that I could use to go buy more deals. And that's when I knew, like, this is it. This I found the thing that's going to help me change the trajectory of my family. So fast forward four years after that, I think you... You said you said before the show you now have seventy doors, correct? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. How how did you how did you go from one to seventy? Were you buying? Did you did you move up from like single families to multifamilies, or or just kept kept scaling multi? You know, yeah, single not, families. Not, not really, man. So yeah. so it, that's a great segue because, like I said, I bought that first property and then I got a line of credit on the equity. So what happened was I didn't really know about lines of credit. But because I bought that first property and I used a small local bank to finance it, that small local bank, after I bought it, called me and said, hey, you've got equity. We'd like to talk to you about giving you a line of credit on that equity so that you can go buy more of these deals so that we can finance more of these deals for you. And then through that process and talking to the banker and doing some research, I realized that like these small local banks need to lend to small businesses in order to stay in business. The big banks don't worry about that. The big banks are loaning to people, first-time homebuyers, FHA, you know, uh, conventional loans. But the small banks make their money loaning to businesses. And most businesses outside of real estate are super risky. And so if, the, if, if a small local bank goes and lends to a guy starting up a restaurant and the restaurant goes under, the bank gets stuck with all this restaurant equipment that they get to sell for pennies on the dollar and they lose money. But if a bank loans to a guy who buys a <clears throat> a house for $115,000 that's worth $160,000 and I and I and I don't make my payments, they take back an asset that's worth well over what I paid for it. And so they can make more money selling that asset themselves even at a discount than they're going to make in my normal monthly payments. And so I through through working with this bank, I started to realize, okay, so if you're going to do these deals and I can have lines of credit to cover my down payments, the only thing that's stopping me from scaling is access to the deals. And so that focused, that helped me focus on doubling down on becoming a great marketer of deals so that I could have consistent deal flow. Because if you can solve the deal flow problem and you can solve the financing problem, you can scale at whatever pace you choose to. So that's what, about, what we did uh, double down on scaling. What about the operations side <laughs> of it, right? Because if, if you're operating like one or two of these fairly easy and and you definitely hit on the finance and the yep. deal flow which i think is important but as you've scaled in the number of mm -hmm. units how do you make sure everything still operates smoothly just in terms of maintenance upkeep you know repairs renovations all, all that kind of stuff yeah man so it's all it's all about your systems and i learned pretty early on after about my third rental that 
so it's, you know, when you get your first and second rental, it's like, y'all pay me however you want to pay me. As long as I get the, it's <laughs> awesome. Thank you for the money. It's amazing. And then you get a few more and you're like, I'm not going around collecting checks. I'm not taking phone calls. And so I had to quickly learn that like, I didn't want to be in that business. And so we implemented systems early on for requiring tenants to pay in our property management system online. So I went, we went, we found a property management system. We put it in our lease that our tenants had to pay in there. We put it in there that they had to, to, um, to put maintenance requests in there. And so we streamlined where everything went. And when we streamlined where everything went, including the money, the maintenance requests, the questions, everything, then it made it a whole lot more, uh, less time consuming to deal with those. And a benefit to me that I think some, a lot of people in the real estate investment industry um, that's different is I'm, I've never been a construction or handyman guy. Like I know nothing about being handy or fixing anything. Like I just, if something breaks, I've never been able to fix it. And so it was never an option for me to say, well, let me go over here and fix this or, you know, let right. me go over here. And, and so I always had to outsource it. And that I thought was going to be a hindrance for me getting into the game, but it's actually turned out to be uh, super helpful because I've never had to worry about, you know, trading, you know, paying a couple hundred dollars for something versus doing it myself. I got to call a guy. And so I just got, as I started to, build my portfolio and things would break, you go through the ringer of different contractors and you find your favorite ones. And now they're just all in my system. And so if something breaks, it's literally just my wife forwarding an email to the contractor who's going to go fix it. They know to bill us in the system. It's pretty hands off if you set it up on the front side like that. Um, if you don't, yeah, it can be an administrative nightmare. Um, but it's pretty, it's pretty with the technology that's out there between property management systems and CRMs, um, it's pretty easy um, to just kind of create processes that fit your business or your lifestyle. Hey, hold that thought. Do you want to get 100 tips for free from my best-selling real estate book, The Hyperlocal, Hyperfast Real Estate Agent? If you do, go to hyperfasttips.com and you can download 100 of my best tips today. Again, that's hyperfasttips.com. You can download a hundred tips on how to grow your business, get more clients, deliver more value to more people. Go to hyperfasttips.com. What does your typical deal look like? A typical property in your portfolio? Yeah, man, I'd say, well, now, you know, prices have gone up obviously. And so, um, you know, typically we're buying a single family home anywhere between, uh, 70 to 150 grand, depending on how big it is or where it is, then we'll put, you know, anywhere between 10 to 40 into it. And then we'll rent it. Um, typically typical three bed, two bath, nice neighborhood, decent neighborhood. You're going to get anywhere between 1500 and 2000 for rent. Um, if it's smaller then you just kind of adjust on that scale. And so, um, you know, I'm in Arkansas, so it's, the entry prices are fairly low, um, but we can rent fairly reasonably um, because of where I am in Arkansas. There's tons of big business here. Big, big. Are you business, up in, uh, I'm just guessing with the Walmart background, are you, are you in the Northwest area? That's like right. Fayetteville? That's exactly where I'm at. Yep. Interesting. Yeah. I've, I've heard uh, that area has been booming the last uh, several years, like yeah, a lot man, of growth and. It's changed drastically. There's, you know, the Waltons are the, one of the richest families in the world. And so 
they're pouring all kinds of money into culture and mm. into into outdoor living and life and it's drawing people from all over the world to either come visit here or move here because we're always in the top like two to three places to live best places to live in America. So it's a uh, this is But it's then really you're still cool able place. to you're still able to go out and find great homes for hundred grand. <laughs> That's right. That's right. What uh what have you done to you know, you you touched on it briefly, but you know, you said after you figured out the capital part, you had to figure out the deal flow part. How did you, how did you go out and do that? How did you go out and generate more leads, more deals? Yeah. So, um, what I uh, learned through my research and when I say research, it was just me. Like once I decided I was going to be an investor, like I didn't listen to music anymore. It was podcasts, you know, books, uh, audio books. And as I started to learn more, I started to you know, tailor those, those resources down to the topics that I felt were the most valuable. And so once I understood like, okay, I've got to figure out how to find deals. I just started honing into like, what are these deal finding strategies? And that naturally led me to like any podcast that had to do with wholesaling. Now I didn't want to be a wholesaler because I wanted to keep everything. But my thought was if the wholesalers have all the deals, why don't I just figure out how to operate like a wholesaler? And since I have all the financing I need, I can just keep all the stuff that I want. And so I set my business up to operate like a wholesaler, but then I just keep it all. So um, at that time, which is still great now, but at that time, this was four years ago, you know, direct mail was still the popular thing. And it's, you know, um, it kind of got unpopular for a couple of years because people started doing text messages and and uh, ringless voicemail. But then some of the laws changed and now that's not as popular. And so more people are back to doing mail. And so yeah, direct, direct mail is coming back again. Yeah, yeah, man, it's coming back. <laughs> and so now I, I've been doing it consistently. I, I tell people like marketing, you have to be relentlessly consistent. You can't stop. You can't slow down. You can't change. If, if things aren't working, you make a couple of tweaks and then you go in, you go, all, you go harder. And so um, we've been doing direct mail the whole time. And I've since added uh, some cold calling pretty heavily into the mix. And so I do all direct mail, direct to seller marketing and cold calling to generate all my leads. What's your, uh, your strategy on the direct mail side? Like, how do you, how do you figure out who you're going to target? Yeah, that's a phenomenal question. You can make me tell all the secrets. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, there's no secrets. Y'all this is, that's the, that's the true secret is, is there's enough houses for everybody. Right. And so, um, yeah, so I, it, it, you need two things, right, when you're going to be an investor and you're going to direct a seller market. You need to be looking for people who have equity, because if there's no equity, there's no deal, right? And you need motivation. They need a reason to sell to you at a discount. If they don't have a reason to sell to you at a discount, they don't need me. They need a real estate agent, right? And so um, I've just targeted my marketing for those typical things. So my best performing list is my driving for dollars list, and I've... I kind of got smart with how I do that with tools like Deal Machine and PropStream. I've got people that go out and drive and identify distressed homes for me, and I pay them to do that. And so I always have a fresh list of distressed homes that have been identified by actual people's eyeballs. And that's, you know, uh, by far my highest performing list. Um, the next thing that we do is I really, really, really like marketing to um, – you want to market to people who own their home. Get your pens out because this is this is a good game, folks. You want to market to people who've owned their home for 15 plus years, um, who 
Um, and if it's a single family, you can do owner occupied. It doesn't matter if you know people tell you to do absentees. I I don't. I like owner occupieds. They've owned it for 15 plus years, and they've got at least 40 percent equity, and they're over the age of 50. And kind of what you find in that space is, you know, there's certain cases in that space where there's just some level of distress that they don't keep up with anymore and um, are, are typically, they're sometimes in situations where they want to move to retirement and they don't have the family um, to help them get there. Um, and so we've been able to, or, they've, or they don't live in the property anymore. And so like the last property I bought in, off of this list was a guy who had moved out of the property um, and let his daughter live there. And it, I mean, it was, she was hoarding and there was, mm. you know, rats and bugs and it was really, really, really bad. And he needed to sell the house because he had to pay some medical bills from his wife having cancer. Um, and so he was in a really, really tough spot and he couldn't sell it with real estate age. I mean, it was really, really bad and he didn't want to have to put his daughter out and, but he needed to sell the house. And so we were able to come in and offer him a decent price for what the house was, the condition the house was in. And then we worked with his daughter and made sure she had a place to go and we took care of that. And then we were able to, um, get in there and, and fix the house up, but it took time, right? Like we weren't just able to buy the house and then start working on it the next day. We had to buy the house, right? And then he had to get paid. And then we had to go talk to his daughter and figure out like, what's a reasonable time frame for her to be able mm. to move? Where could she go? How could we help her get there, right? There's all these things that, that aren't typical in the typical home buying process that like we as investors figure out how to solve so that everybody kind of ends up in a better situation than they were in before. And then we could do something with the house. So I probably own that house for 90 to 120 days before we were able to ever get in there and do anything. But that's, that's part of what marketing for distressed properties is about is you're going to be solving some unusual problems. Well, and usually the, the, the more complex or the more challenging the problem is to solve the, yep. the better, the reward at the Absolutely. end of the, the period of fixing that. So Absolutely. What, uh, what's transpired now? Uh, let's talk about switch gears a little on the content creation and education yeah. side. You've, you've gone on and been able to share your story and, and help motivate, educate other people uh, to take the same path you have. Yeah, man. So that's kind of taken on this whole like life of its own and none of it was intentional. Uh, well, said differently, like I didn't know it was going to take off like this, but I did intentionally share the journey. So after I did that first deal that we talked about where I bought that first house um, and I started to realize like, wait a minute, this is, this is a life changing endeavor that I'm embarking on. Because after, you know, 90 days, I had this property that was cash flowing and a lot of credit to go do more. And I was just literally, I was overcome with like this feeling of responsibility to share this information with people because I didn't, I didn't know that it was this, that it was possible. And, and, and I hate, I hate using the word easy, but it, it, it wasn't difficult to get my first property. 
yes, I had to make some mm. difficult decisions around mindset and some difficult decisions around how to take care of my money differently, right? But all of those were just decisions and then some uh, some small actions behind them. But like the actual like practical steps that it took me to get that deal, that's not rocket science. And and I just started to think, man, uh, no one, t- they don't teach this in school, you know, people. I didn't have anybody in my family that that knew these things to prepare me to be able to do something like this. And it's and it's life changing. I remember we did that first deal and my wife and I had written down our goals and we were going to buy one house a year for five years to supplement our retirement. And after we did that deal, we were like, oh, no, no, we got to go way <laughs> bigger than that. We need, we need more. Yeah, right. And so we did we did five deals in our first month. And so I said, I've got to share this with people. People need to know that this is a thing that 90 days ago I was freaking out about how I was going to. Uh, be able to afford the life my wife wanted. And now I know what the answer is. And now not only do I think I can afford that life, but I think I can not just use this to supplement my retirement, but use this to retire her and myself in a short period of time. And I said, I've got to share this with people. And so I just started an Instagram and I just started sharing anything I could, you know, just about the journey. I had no idea like it would grow to a large following. I had no idea that anybody would like a bunch of people would care, but I was like, I I feel like I'm supposed to share this. So I'll share it. And that led me to getting on podcasts and TV interviews. And then I got on bigger pockets as a guest and that really like increased my audience. And so once my audience increased, what happened was, is I couldn't just, I couldn't just um, talk to everybody who asked me questions anymore because there was too many people. So when I had, you know, when I had 500 to 1,000 followers, you know, if 10 people asked me a question over the course of a couple of months, I could answer all the questions, and I was happy to do that. But once my swirling started to grow, I couldn't get to everybody. And mm. so um, my wife gave me the idea. She was like, well, why don't you take the questions you get asked the most and, like, create some sort of document or ebook or PowerPoint or something that you could point people to, and then if they go through those things – and still have questions and you can, you can help them, but at least, you know, they'll have taken some action and they'll want to use their, they're not wasting your time. And I was like, that's a phenomenal idea. And so I created two courses, um, for that purpose with no intention of them making me a bunch of money. Like it was just a way to point people to something that could help them for a really low ticket price. Cause I didn't want people to pay hundreds of dollars to get answers to questions. But if you pay 20, 30 bucks, 40 bucks, and get all this information and then you still have questions i'm happy to answer it and so we started to we put those out there and we still so those days started to sell like crazy and i was like oh wait a minute like this is this is an actual business and so i had to start studying up on kind of e-commerce information businesses and how to better provide um information to people that wanted it because at the end of the day the people who want to pay for information are going to pay for it and if they can't get it from you they'll get it from somewhere else and so you you need to be able to be ready to capture that and provide people information at the level they want that information at hey hold that thought for a minute do you want to take your real estate business to the next level if you do there's no reason to go it alone Learn from people who've been where you want to go. Carrie and I have sold billions of dollars in real estate. We've netted over seven figures for seven years in a row now. And we wanna see if you would be a good fit to work for us. We don't work with a lot of people, but we wanna give you a chance to get on a free strategy call to see if we can help you get your business to the next level. 
Go to hyperfastcoach.com and apply for your discovery session today. Again, that's hyperfastcoach.com. How, um, how was it making that, that first course? Like how, how long, you know, was the actual yeah. course? How long did it take you to, to make it? Were you, were you nervous? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was about a, I'd say it was about three hours worth of, you know, just solid three hours worth of information. It took me, I'd say actual like time in front of the computer doing it. It probably took me, I don't know, 10, 20, 30 hours, somewhere in there. Mm -hmm. I'd say more than 10, probably closer to 20 or 30 hours just because there's a lot of like creating the information and then recording it and then re-recording it. And, you know, uh, you, you don't know what you don't know when you're doing this stuff. And I'd spend a lot of time recording stuff and messing up and then going back and re-recording it. And then I realized that like, I'll just one take it and hope it <laughs> and hope it comes out better. And what I learned through all that process is like people, people like authenticity and they feel it feels more authentic. The less like pruned and polished it is. Now I'm not saying produce a piece of crap and put it out there, but what I am saying is like, it doesn't have to be the most perfect, perfectly edited, beautiful, like, you know, 4k cameras and super dope transitions. And it doesn't have to be all that. The information right. is what's important. And if you can get good information to people and they get value from it and it's not as pretty and polished, they feel more connected to you because it feels like something they could do, right? If it's this big production that you would see on like TV, then they don't, it, it's harder for them to feel as close to you. And so, man, it, it was a tough process for me, mostly because of imposter syndrome. I right. remember I would, I would write a chapter uh, I, I probably wrote the first chapter of my first course three times because I would write it and then I would delete it because halfway through me, like proofreading it and going over it after I put it out there, I was like, man, nobody wants to hear this. Like, nobody's going to want to hear this for me. Nobody, nobody cares what I have to say about this stuff. They can go listen to somebody who's got, you know, hundreds of doors and been doing this for 10 years. I've been doing this for a nobody wants to hear this from some dude who's just doing this for a couple of years. And I really had to struggle to get through that imposter syndrome. And just put it out there, and and I remember I was so nervous when I clicked the, the you know release button for the first day on the course because I was like nobody's gonna buy this, it's gonna be this big flop, and um, you know it was the exact opposite of that, and it just taught me a whole lot about like there's an audience for everyone, right? And if and if you've got this seed planted in you to start a business or put information out there. Like, don't let the voices in your head stop you from doing it because you don't need hundreds of thousands of people to buy your product. You just need a few people in your niche that like what you have to say that can resonate with you and, you know, you can change their lives and, and they can change yours. What's the, the name of the course? Or yeah, so uh, the, the the two courses that I did then were how to finance deals with little to no money using small mm -hmm. banks. I wasn't great at naming courses, so there you, that's why that one's so long. And then, and then my my other course uh, was um, um, Beginner's Guide to Finding Great Real Estate Deals. So those were the two questions everybody had for me. Right. Where are you finding all your deals? How are you paying for them? Because new people, they just they have these hurdles in their mind that like, Everything's so expensive, I can't buy any deals. And even if I could buy them, I don't have the money. And so these courses help solve those problems and um, for people. And so it was, it was, I just figured it was the best two, the two subjects to start with. And so, yeah, it's still, it's still out there to this day. And so what are, now, do you offer more than that now? 
by the way? Yeah, yeah, I do. I have a, um, so I have another course on house hacking because mm-hmm. that's one of the next things that I did after I did my first real estate deal is I started to realize like, hey man, like now that you're into this real estate thing, maybe the way we bought this first home wasn't the best way to do it. And so we ended up selling that home that I couldn't be on the loan for. And we bought a duplex and we lived in one and we rented the other unit and lived, you know, rent pretty, pretty cheaply for a couple of years to help to save a bunch of money. And then we use that money that we saved uh, to buy uh, our dream home. And then the rent from the side we were living in now pays for half the mortgage at my dream home. And I was like, this is a hack people need to know more about. Mm. So I created this course, you know, um, uh, my house hacking blueprint is what it's called. And it just teaches people about like, A, what's house hacking? B, how do you find deals to house hack? C, like, how do you go about finding loans for those kinds of things? And I just put all that information out there. And so those are the three main courses that I have. And then I also do, um, I do a, a mentorship slash coaching program where it's a little more, and, you know, I'm more involved in helping people on a day-to-day kind of grow and scale or, or buy their first property and then grow and scale their business from there. And so I meet with my group, my students in there once a week. If people want to find out more about the courses or programs, where do they do yep. that? Perfect. Yeah, the best place to do that is you can go find me on Instagram. I'm at the Henry Washington on Instagram. Then there's a little link in the top of my bio. You click that, and it'll have a link to each one of my courses. It'll also have a link to apply for my mentorship or coaching group if you are interested in having me help you grow and scale your portfolio. Or you and, can then, go, and you can also go to henrywashington.com, and I've got a free book there you can check out. And I was also going to mention, or, or maybe uh, you want to chat about uh, what you've been able to do with Bigger Pockets now, because I think that's yeah. kind of interesting yeah. too. Yeah, that's cool. That's a that's a fun story. And so when I started my journey, um, you know. I, like everybody else who's an investor, was like, hey, I want to get on that podcast one day. They've helped me so much. I'd love to be, you know, on that show. And I remember I am trying to clear this so you guys can see it. I remember I I made a vision board on my phone. I don't know if you guys can see it, but right here in the tile. Yep. Oh, disappeared. I see Josh and Brandon and... Is that David on the other? <laughs> yeah. Okay. So I created on this vision board the tile because I was like, I want to be a guest on the show. And so I just put it on my vision board. And then I went to the Bigger Pockets conference in like 2019, the, the first or second one they had. And uh, I happened to be there a day early, um, not because I'm brilliant, but because I, I'm not good at scheduling. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and Brandon Turner happened to be there a day early too. And so I just got to meet him and chat with him. And I was telling him a little bit. And at that point, it was like I'd been like two years in it. Two, yeah, about two, two years and some change in it. I had about 30 some outdoors. And uh, I was just telling them my story. And they had just launched their, like, real estate rookie podcast. And I was just like, I was like, hey, man, if y'all ever need, I know you just started this new show. I've just been doing this for a couple of years. If you need somebody to come, you know, talk on the rookie podcast, like, I'd be honored. And he was like, 30 doors in a couple of years, you're going to come on our show. And I was like, well, okay, cool. <laughs> and so uh, I ended up as a guest on the show, episode 366. Um, and... um it was super cool, and I got to meet all kinds of cool people. And then I just never took that tile off my phone. You still, you see, it's still there, even though I hit the goal, and um, stayed connected with the producers and just nothing, nothing fancy. Like I didn't. It just all came to be through from that original show appearance and just trying to be a good person. And so when Brandon announced he was retiring, Kevin, 
who's not with the company anymore, but he was the producer. He reached out to me and he was like, Hey man, Brandon's retiring. And so, uh, you know, we, we, we don't know who we're going to bring in to, to do anything yet, but we need some people to fill in in the meantime. Would you mind co-hosting a few episodes for us? And I was like, yeah, man, say less. Just tell me when and where to be. And so I co-hosted a few episodes while they were trying to figure out who they were going to fill it in with. And then I ended up doing a few more co-host episodes for them. And then they asked me to come be a part of that show plus another show just through their staying in contact. So I kept that on my vision board and it, it's, it's played itself out uh, uh, in awesome ways now. And so now I get to co-host the main show. I get to be a cast member of the, their, our new show on the market and I do some YouTube content for them and just it's been it's been really really uh you know kind of a blessing just being able to to now contribute to the platform that contributed so much to my success in the beginning yeah it's awesome to see that come full circle and and really amazing to to hear your story you know i think there's just so much to take away in terms of visualizing things and actually believing you're going to do it. And, you know, most of real estate is not too complicated. I think, I think the, the belief in the mindset really trumps uh, a lot of the actual tactics. And, and that's some, for some people, that's the hardest thing to do. And and you provide just a great example of how to, how to overcome that. (laughs) Thank you so much, man. I appreciate that. Uh, before we wrap up, I always like to end with a hyper fast round. If you are ready for some rapid fire questions and answers here, let's do it. All right. What's your biggest piece of advice to a new investor? Love it. Um, perfect, perfect segue. You're good at this. See, perfect segue again. He, <laughs> we just, he just talked about like mindset is huge because how you do it is it, 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 it's been a thing like real estate has been around forever. Right. And so there's so many ways to get into real estate. There's so many different paths you can take. There's so many different financing options. There's so many different types of properties. And I think new people get overwhelmed with all of the what ifs and how should I exactly go do it. And, um, and so I tell new people, like, you got to put the blinders on, right? No matter what your strategy is going to be, it doesn't matter if you want to flip, wholesale, wholesale, multifamily. It doesn't matter. The key to success in any of those exit strategies is your ability to find a good deal. Mm. And so just focus on that. So the two things I think all new investors should focus on are, A, learning what a good deal looks like in your market. Every market's different. So get around other investors who are successful. Ask them about their deals. They'll tell you about their deals. Real estate investors are helpful. They'll love to talk to you. Learn what a good deal looks like in your market or the neighborhoods you want to buy them so you know what price point you should be looking for properties at. And then pick one deal-finding strategy. doesn't matter if it's on-market strategy, off-market strategy. Pick one and focus on it until it produces results and you get a deal. And once you get that deal, you'll be so motivated to go figure out everything else to monetize that deal that it, none of that, and, and none of that stuff that other people focus on before they have a deal matters until you have one. It doesn't matter who's going to finance your deal. If you don't have one, it doesn't matter who's going to fix up your property if you don't have one. So focus on what's a good deal look mm-hmm. like and how do I go find that deal? All right. What's the biggest mistake you see experienced investors making? Um, the biggest mistake we get comfortable. Um, I think we get too comfortable with numbers and we overlook some of the, 
uh, ancillary factors that have to do with deals. And I'll, you know, I'll speak for me. I bought a deal that on paper was phenomenal cash flow monster. How could I not buy it? And then I bought it and realized I overlooked a bunch of stuff. I overlooked exactly how much it was going to cost for me to renovate this very large property because I was so excited about the cash flow it was going to produce. Right. I overlooked um, how difficult it might be for me to get contractors in the area of town that I bought that property in. I overlooked how long it was going to take me to actually renovate a property of that size. Um, you know, I got, I got too comfortable with the numbers being amazing that I didn't think through all of the things that are, that also go along with, um, having a property of that size. And, uh, it ended up costing me some money. Now I sold the deal. I made my money back and it was all good, but, um, you know, had I paid attention, put a little more thought into some of the, um, some of the ancillary details around that property, uh, you know, I might have saved myself some trouble. But on paper, mm. the numbers, the numbers said buy it. Everything else said don't. What's the biggest challenge you've had in real estate and what did you learn from it or, or how did you overcome it? Yeah, the biggest challenge when I got started was, um, I think the thing a lot of people don't talk about when they get started is um, working, like finding contractors, working with contractors. Um, there, they can make or break your business. Um, and I didn't know anything about working with contractors, how to find them, how to hire them, what a good one looks like, what a good one's not, um, how to estimate, you know, accurately estimate rehabs and things. And so, um, you know, I lost a lot of time and money dealing with poor contractors and I probably passed up on working with some good contractors cause I didn't understand, how to properly interview, evaluate them and understand, you know, I remember early on, uh, if a contractor wanted me to pay for him to come give me a bid, I wouldn't, I wouldn't do it. Cause I'm like, you want me to pay? You haven't done anything yet. And now I'm like, man, if you want me to pay for your time to come give me a bid, I like that. Cause that means you care <laughs> about your time, right? You're professional. You're, I'm going to get a better bid. It's going to be more accurate because mm -hmm. I'm paying for it. Right. And I'd rather pay, I'd rather have somebody who's more professional manage my, you know, fifty, sixty thousand $60,000 rehab than somebody who came, you know, at a moment's notice and wrote up something on a napkin and handed it to me. And so just working with contractors in general, like you need to be able to do that to be a successful investor. If you're buying uh, properties that you're going to add value to and, uh, it's, it's not as easy as people think it is on the front side. So learning some of that stuff along your way and being intentional about learning specifics around that uh, as you're getting started is probably pretty helpful. That's a really, I think, healthy viewpoint on paying for bids. Yeah. Um, last question in the Hyperfast round. Where do you see yourself five years from now? Oh, man, that's a great question. These are the questions like I'm supposed to have some super sexy answer for. And I, don't. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, man. Look, I, you know, I, I didn't, I don't know what I don't know. And if you would have asked me five years ago, would I be here right now? I'd have told you you're crazy. Remember, I've only been doing this for five years. And so if, <laughs> if you'd have told me I'd be sitting here, you know, helping produce content for bigger pockets, I'd have 70 doors, I'd be speaking on stages and I, I tell you, you're nuts, man. There's no, there's no way. And so I don't know, man. I don't know where I'm going to be in five years. I know what I do know is that I'm going to continue to buy property, uh, improve my community, provide affordable housing, and um, build wealth and then teach people how to do it. At what scale? I don't know. How many doors am I getting into? I don't know. I'll keep buying until God or my wife tells me not to. All right. Well, I love... Uh Love the confidence, love the honesty, love, love your story and 
Uh, just want to thank you for being on the show today. Before we sign off, I know you mentioned, I think, uh, your Instagram was uh, the Henry Washington. Is that right? Correct. Correct. Yeah. And, that, and, and then the website was henrywashington.com. Henrywashington.com for a free book. Yep. Yep. Is there any, any, no, those are the uh, best where places, else man. people to connect, to connect with you? Those are the best places. Again, on Instagram, click that link in my bio and that'll take you to where my courses are. And then, uh, yeah, I've got a free book, henrywashington.com. Hit me up on Instagram. Um, we'll do our best to, to get to everybody who tries to reach out. So thank you. All right. Well, I thank you for being on the show and to all of our listeners and viewers out there. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, please leave us some feedback and share this episode with people that you think would benefit from uh, listening or watching Henry's story. We'll see you next time. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure and go to hyperfastagent.com to learn about upcoming in-person and online events. And don't forget to share this show with someone that you think could benefit from hearing it and make sure you subscribe on YouTube or anywhere that you can find podcasts. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Hyperfast Show. Subscribe to us if you want to make sure you get the latest and greatest Hyperfast shows. And remember, we love reviews. Reviews help us bring better and better guests and improve our shows. So give us the good, the bad, and the ugly. We hope you enjoyed the show, and we will see you next time. Hey guys, thanks for sticking around to the end. I hope you enjoyed that video, and if you want to see more, click right here. And if you want 100 real estate tips from my best-selling book, click right here to download them instantly. And if you're new to this channel, click below to subscribe.